This is the remix. Brown, chest pass into the right corner. Martin, three right corner. Got it! First time Kansas has led since 18 to 16. Eight to shoot. Davis to work against Martin. Dumps it into the left corner. Three from Puff Johnson. Rolls home! Wow. Puff Johnson. They go to Love. Love's going to be the one to take it. Puts up the shot. It's off! The game is over! And Kansas completes the biggest championship comeback all time. Whacking that thing around. David said out, out there at halftime he was smiling. It was kind of like, you know, just do what we do. And, but that kind of guys were looking at him weird that he, he was, despite the deficit, he was encouraged. What did you guys think of kind of his reaction to where you guys were at that point? Me, definitely. He was looking at me, and I'm like, why are you smiling, dude? Like, we're down 15. And he's telling me, like, man, like, keep your head up. Like, keep going. We'll be all right. We've been here before. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I've ever been here before. You know? <laughs> down 15 in the National Championship, I've definitely never been there. So, man, uh, but we're just proud of him. And, you know, he, you know, he kept us going and then obviously uh, hit a really big shot. I just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Dude, shout out to a simpler time in America when all of us were captivated by the California Raisins. Kansas won the national championship last night, overcoming a 15-point halftime deficit. But we have an important piece of audio to play from the North Carolina side of things because I think Hubert Davis might be my new favorite coach. This was his in-game sideline interview on TBS. Coach, how would you assess what you've seen? We're competing out there. It's live action, Tracy. It's live action out there. I thought we were nervous at the beginning. Then we started to settle in. We got better defensively. Now we're attacking the basket. We're ready to go. Are you okay with how Baycott is right now? He's doing terrific. I'm so proud of him. I told you, 52% him on the floor. It's good news for Carolina basketball. Thank you. <laughs> oh. Thank you, Tracy. Hey, it's live action. It's live action. I he think he was so pumped. Pump. I think he was. Hubert Davis is incredible, and I, I think he might be my new favorite coach. That sideline in-game interview, first off, doesn't let Tracy Wolfson finish asking her first question before he just jumps in. He's already lost his voice. Uh, he's just yelling it's live action like that means anything at all. We know that it's going to be live action. And then actually gives a fairly good breakdown of what happened through the first roughly 10 minutes of that game and why things went poorly for North Carolina to start. And then we're going much better after that. It's it's an unbelievable interview. I think that guy's a maniac. He did something similar in the uh, in-game interview when they played Duke. The guy's insane, and I love him. This is not the Hubert Davis I expected as a 90s Knicks fan who just enjoyed the fact that he was a fairly reliable backup guard. Like, he, he was fun to watch, but not like this. The best part of that interview, Tyler, was that the fight song was playing in the background. <laughs> that felt totally appropriate to that. Like, that was, that was the speech. Uh, not like, and by the way, you know, I have the utmost respect for when sideline reporters have to do post-game interviews and try to find things to ask about. But Tracy Wilson kind of went a little too far with it with uh, David McCormick and was said, what was that halftime speech like that got you guys so motivated? <laughs> and David McCormick's response was like, I was just smiling. Like, I, I, I was happy. Like, no, it's not always Hoosiers. Like, there's not always a big speech that makes it all go down. It's not always Hubert Davis. Yeah, but Hubert Davis is great. His fist pump, there's a slow motion of one of his fist pumps on the sideline. 
I love me some Hubert Davis. The other uh, very important part of this game, or what I think has become one of my favorite things in all of sports, when there is a prime time game, especially some sort of championship game, and it starts at the wonderful time of 6.20 p.m. Pacific time, the entirety of the East Coast complaining about the game starting so late. I love it so much because I live on the West Coast. I live in the Pacific time zone, and it's a perfectly normal time for me to watch a basketball game at 6.20 p.m. I did not know what I was missing before I lived here, and it is the greatest thing, and I find joy in other people being so mad that the game starts at 9.20 when it starts at 6.20 here in Las Vegas. Yeah, the best part about uh, social media is finding out any east coast elites there really are right <laughs> like i've made no bones about the fact that i'm a new yorker but you know going on at about what 4 30 our time i think i sat down with my dinner at about five and was looking at it and i was like oh you don't want to have to stay up to 11 30 tonight oh no i'm so sorry oh it's phenomenal this, this time zone is genuinely incredible for sports don't you think the 20 was the really offensive part Right, yes. like the, yeah, yes. the, the, the nine twenty. <laughs> like, I, I could deal with it if it's like nine. Ugh, nine's a little on the late side, huh? And it's like nine twenty. It's like, oh, and you're going to be craven and get us all to tune in at the top of the hour and then make us watch Charles Barkley try to talk <laughs> like he knows anything about college basketball. <laughs> my, oh, okay. The my favorite Charles Barkley moment last night at the the in the post game show. They're like trying to wrap it up before the, the post game show ends and everything. And just a very generic, like Charles Barkley, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? Charles was stunned by this question, not prepared at all for this. And it, all that came out of his mouth was the better team won. The better team won. That's, that's all he had to say for the first 10 seconds of what his big takeaway was. And so as Charles Barkley exclusively reported last night, the better team won the national championship. I think the best part of the postgame would have been if they did with Kenny Smith what they did during the Villanova North Carolina game and had a camera on Kenny as this whole <laughs> collapse was happening because they had a camera on him when uh, Villanova hit the game-winning shot yes. to win the national championship and they showed the heartbreak of it. And I know I definitely don't say this about Kenny Smith because he was on the Rockets teams that beat the Knicks in the mid-90s and I like watching him in pain. <laughs> Kenny Smith is fun though. He was the, the he was fun after they beat Duke, except for the whole uh, Coach K did great things for North. Uh, who cares? But he was fun. Uh, he's a fun guy on there. So I have another important question for you, Adam. Do you like one shining moment? Let me hold on. Let me check a couple of things. I am white. I am in my forties. I am a guy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's uh, the best three minutes of every year. Uh, don't tell my girlfriend that. Uh, the way it takes oh, wait, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, that is the. Uh, Jared, thank you for cutting that in advance. <laughs> the way it no, takes you. No, 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 I don't no, want to no, hear no, anything else you little, have to say. We need a little you more time. Jared, we have to go to commercial like five minutes early. This segment has just hit its peak. That was your walk off, man. Adam yeah. Candy's oh. had two. You finally oh. got one, and you did God. it five minutes in before we need to go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Tell us more about one shining moment. It's just, it's wonderful. The way it takes you through the entire NCAA tournament, it's incredible storytelling attached to a song that I would not listen to unless it had college basketball highlights on it. It's wonderful. 
oh, are you kidding? I have it on my Spotify, and that's not a joke. Like, I, I have it on my, on my starred playlist on my Spotify that every now and then I'll call up one shining moment, even if I'm not just going back and watching, you know, random highlights of, you know, Ali Farouk <laughs> One shining moment. Best tradition in all of sports. It's great. All right. Now I have a, a somewhat serious question for you. Bill Self won his second national championship, 2008-2022. We talked to Ed Graney a little bit about this yesterday, and the comparison we made was kind of to Aaron Rodgers. Like, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, very good quarterback. Obviously, Bill Self, very good college basketball coach. But both of them, until last night, had only won one championship, and there is a lot of criticism towards that. Have have the entire uh, rings argument, has it devolved to a point where – you need more than one now? Like, it's not just a matter of did you win a championship? Now it's like, well, you only won one. You must be a bum. Is it really devolving? I'm not sure that's, that's a... That's de- a I'm not sure that means... It, I'm not sure it really means it's devolving. I, because, Tyler, here's something that I think you and I have to face up to. If we are going to be the analytics dorks who throw numbers at everybody about how there is so much random chance and so much variance involved in who wins at any given time, if we want to talk about small sample sizes, then we have to accept that winning one championship absolutely can be a matter of variance and a matter of sample size in a way that winning a second one, yes, it could still be that, but it goes a long way to proving that it wasn't just a luck out when you won one. Right, okay, I see where you're going with that. Basically, okay, so like the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series last year was some variance for a team that wasn't exactly great all year, and in reality, we should give that to the Houston Astros. It's fair. If if you want to say that winning a second championship proves that variance is tough to beat, but you can cheat it sometimes. Sometimes. The yeah. Astros proved that, yeah. Sometimes. It's very important to do that. Yeah, I... That that's an interesting way. I hadn't thought about it that way. And the idea that you have, especially, especially because football and college basketball are, are main sports to do this, especially sports that do single elimination, right? The variance starts to dwindle when you talk about the NBA or the NHL or Major League Baseball when you start playing five and seven game series. But especially in the single game elim- elimination, like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers should probably have more than one title since he's been there, but they don't. They only have one, and the the variance part of that's interesting. I. It is weird, though, because it's like, okay, the Packers have been a one seed how many times? Bill Self has been a one seed how many times? They've been like they've been close or they've actually been there and lost. Like it's still I don't know. It's still a weird thing to me that we 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 are at a point where like we'll criticize Charles Barkley because he never won a championship, but we'll also criticize Aaron Rodgers because he only has one. It's still it's still hard for me to quite jump on board. It's the small variance might need you to win two to prove you're a great Here's here's where college basketball and college football, though, have an element that the pros don't have and why I think we cannot and should not look at Aaron Rodgers and Bill Self the same way. Aaron Rodgers does not have Roger Goodell looking at which teams are making the playoffs and deciding which ones he would like to play against Aaron Rodgers because both the college football playoff and the NCAA tournament have the element of humans choosing which teams play against other teams. Even if you are the one seed, you don't have control over the two seed, the three seed, the four seed. You don't have any control over who's in front of you. And so it doesn't matter how well you played during the regular season in the way that it does for the Green Bay Packers. If you got the number one seed, you got the number one seed because you beat the other teams on your schedule and you get a number one seed because of that. 
Gonzaga would have a completely different argument, right? If everything were equal and Gonzaga played in the NL East every year just to make up, you know, a random division, and it just so happened the NL East was always terrible and Gonzaga always got the number one seed because they had the the uh, the best record, then Gonzaga would go into the NCAA tournament on different footing than it does every year. So I know that's a little bit of a cross-sport thing. you got to you know run through the mechanism for a second. But the human element is something that Bill Self has to deal with that Aaron Rodgers doesn't. All right. Yeah. If we zoomed out, if we just started from today and said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have college sports, and we're going to have people decide who goes to their postseason. We already look at it as kind of stupid, but that is such a foreign, dumb idea that it's unbelievable it still exists in college sports. Well, if we had actual organizations that oversaw college sports <laughs> as opposed to a patchwork of people trying to protect TV money, then, yeah, maybe that would happen. We also are going to get the number one seed Kansas City Jayhawks next season in the NCAA tournament. It's going to be fun. Coming up next, it's Candy's Chonies. Candy's Chonies. Wait. Candy's Chonies. You don't call your bread buns. What do you call them? Candy's Chonies. Bread? Candy's Chonies. Well, bread is a substance. What do you call the units of bread you use? Breads? It is everyone's favorite time of the show when we go deep inside Candy's Chonies. What numbers do you have for us today? When you can't find what you're looking for in Bischoff's briefs, take a dive into Candy's Chonies. So uh, today, I only have two numbers, but they're actually themed. Uh, All right. They, they, I like they, themes. They are, they are themed numbers. Okay. Your first number is 12. And if you don't know this segment, I give Tyler numbers from sports. He has to figure out where I pulled them out of my chonies. 12 is the number. Okay. Do I get any uh, sports? Yes. Okay. You get, okay. I'm first going to tell you the 12 is a percentage. Okay. And then I'm going to tell you the 12 is a percentage from baseball. Oh, okay. 12. It is not 120. It is not 120. It is 12. 12%. Um, 12%. Dodgers odds to win the World Series? Okay. I like that. I like that. But no. Uh, 12% has to do with the Houston Astros. Oh. Uh, uh it it has to do with the 2017 Houston Astros. Oh, okay. 20 I like the 2017 Houston Astros. Good team. All right. Um is that the percentage of at bats that Josh Reddick heard a trash can bang? No. Okay. But you do have the right player. Oh, okay. Josh Reddick. Okay. Josh Reddick is involved in this. Josh Reddick is one of the players involved in the 12% for the 2017 Houston Astros. So I'll give you one more guess since you're close. 12%. Oh man, is that a Oh, is that a 12% his his OPS was 12% higher than his career average in 2017? Deep dive there, Tyler. Uh what it is. Here's your number. 12% is now that we have seen this report that came from Buster Olney yesterday. 12% is the confirmed amount of the Houston Astros roster that we know did not take part ah, in yes. the sign-stealing scandal. Uh, yesterday, Buster Olney 
tweeted part of the Carlos Beltran interview that we talked about yesterday or earlier today says, I didn't stop it the way no one stopped it of the signs dealing scandal. Uh, way to take responsibility. Uh, <laughs> Now, he said in the tweet, did Buster Olney, Tony Kemp did when even as one of the 17 Astros, youngest players, he refused to participate because he thought it was wrong. Josh Reddick replied to this tweet and said, Jose Altuve and Josh Reddick can be added to that list of not using it as well. So, Tyler, let me ask you a question. We now know that three of the 25 players on the Houston roster, or 12%, did not take part in the sign stealing scandal. How many do you think actually didn't take part? Is it more than twelve percent? Uh, I first off, I have two points. One, I am very happy that today, on April fifth of twenty twenty two, Adam Candy, the Yankees fan, has agreed that it is a fact that Jose Altuve did not take 2017. part. Two thousand seventeen. Two thousand seventeen. Good work there. I'm also a little curious. Why do you think Carlos Beltran picked out Tony Kemp? No, he didn't pick out Tony Kemp. That's I, I said that's Buster Olney saying that part of it. Oh, that Buster, wasn't part of the quote. Buster Olney adding, yes, ah, the quote, okay. He, it, I didn't stop it the way no one stopped it, end quote. Okay, gotcha. For some reason, I thought Carlos Beltran was like that Tony Kemp. That Tony Kemp. Guy. Can't you tell that if can't you tell that if Tony Kemp wasn't hitting, none of us were using it? Um, okay, so how many do I think were not? Well, how, that one who guy else did, didn't use it. That one guy did the entire, uh, well, most of the season's worth of trash can bangs. And it was it was like Altuve was the only one that had a significant number of at-bats that had like less than 5%. Like Tony Kemp had like 28 at-bats or something stupid like that. Like it was not important for Tony K. He had 28 at-bats. It was irrelevant. But like uh, I feel pretty confident saying Altuve was the only one that didn't use it on a regular basis. Okay, so the Jose Altuve, Josh Reddick, Tony Kemp. So, uh, yeah, those are the three that we have confirmed didn't use the trash can in 2017. Of course, Tyler's trying to rope me in on Jose Altuve, who had a buzzer on his chest in 2019. <laughs> All right. Your he, next... did it, he did it like the trash can bangs. So yes, he, but he, he's like, this thing buzzer. is so this is so primitive. Let, <laughs> put a buzzer on my chest. All right. This second number is 40 percent 40 percent this number will get you off to a little faster start this comes from college basketball okay 40 percent college basketball all right there are actually there are two right answers to this question by the way two right answers 40 percent okay i i don't have a guess somebody's three point percentage i don't know okay so one of the answers having to do with 40 percent comes from the championship game last night one of the answers comes from UNLV. They are not related. Either one you get, I will give you credit for. They are not. Can I ask the UNLV uh, side of this? Is it the most recent UNLV team or past UNLV team? It is the current UNLV team. 40%. Man, I'm struggling. I do not know. See, this is... This is what happens. Sometimes I offer you the option to find multiple things in Candy's Chonies, and you can't find either of them. Wait a minute. Um, that that's not high enough. Uh, I was going to say the offensive rebound rate for North Carolina, but I think it might have even been higher than. 40%. It, no, it actually no. Their 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 offensive rebound rate last night was higher than forty percent. They were, <laughs> they were the number two offensive rebound team in the country this year. So, all right, I'll give you that one first, and you can keep working on the UNLV one. Uh, Kansas did not allow a team in the NCAA tournament to shoot over forty percent. 
which wow. I thought was oh. remarkable considering we talk so much. You and I talked about how offense was the key to winning championships and the old school defense wins crowd got at least that number out of the deal. Yeah, that is under 40% for every team. That is, uh, yeah. that is no impressive. one shot 40% against Kansas. Now, now. <sighs> There is a 40% that has to do with UNLV. It has to do with the UNLV roster. 40% is 40% already gone? 40% of the UNLV roster, according to the latest edition of one of my favorite running Tyler Bischoff tweets, the cross-off edition of the UNLV roster, six of the 15 players have been crossed off for next year. Tyler, by the time we get to next season, how many players will have been crossed off this list? Oh, all right. That's a good question. Okay. Let's see. Bryce Hamilton, Donovan Williams, Royce Ham, Mike Nuga, uh, Trey Hurlbert, and Marvin Coleman are the ones that are gone right now. I will say Donovan Williams comes back, so we will add to that. Um, I will guess James Hampshire is not crossed off yet because there hasn't been anything official on James Hampshire, but I'm guessing James Hampshire and Reese Brown are gone so bring one back lose two more and then i will say there will be at least two other transfers uh from unlv not sure who they will be but there are enough transfers in college basketball they'll lose two more players to the transfer portal before this season is up so in total what they are right now it'll be three more players than where they are right now okay all right so i'm going to ask you about one player specifically because he's the one that jumps off the list to me you saw flashes of talent. You saw flashes of immaturity. But this kid has a lot of years left. Is Keyshawn Gilbert coming back? Uh, I would think so. Uh, Kevin Kruger talked him up a lot last year. And I don't believe he was good enough that there's going to be obvious an obvious step up for him in the transfer portal. Do you think there could be more minutes available for him at UNLV than there would be anywhere else that he might potentially go? Probably, yes. It, he, I mean, obviously, I guess you could always transfer down and get even more minutes, uh, have more, an easier path. Well, yeah. I'm, I, but on the on the positive side for Keyshawn Gilbert's career path, yes, I, I don't I don't think he did anything this year that would have a, you know, a power five school coming and saying, you know what, we need that Keyshawn Gilbert on our team. So I, I think he's back and uh, may, he's he's a guy, though, that in the future, right, if he does meet this potential that he has could absolutely transfer out of UNLV and go somewhere better simply because he becomes uh, a better player. But yes, I think Keyshawn Gilbert is back next year. That's it. Candy's Jonies have produced everything they can produce for one day. They're you spent. Have to just throw it right back. <laughs> uh, you know what is interesting? Keyshawn Gilbert. Um, I am very high on him. Kevin Kruger's very high on him. Uh, UNLV fan base, very high on him. His uh, there's a stat by Bort, uh, Bart Torvik that's basically a points above average type stat on a per game basis. He was a zero point zero in that. He was the average college basketball player last year, which I thought was fascinating because I test wise, I would have guessed he was worth a little bit more than that. Wow, that is uh, that is sometimes uh, the numbers telling you things that your eyes don't want to believe. Wow. I mean, it comes down to his offensive production was so limited in that he didn't shoot, uh, he had a lot of turnovers, and didn't rack up a bunch of assists. So from a box score standpoint, he was a big negative 
on the offensive end, regardless of how much he did defensively box score wise, he did not provide a positive value because offensively he didn't actually do much. Whereas defensively, he seemed to have a minute stretch in every third game where he would get three steals in a row and UNLV would go on a NATO run. And that would be a reason they would win games. All right. Coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. He his pants. This isn't the Alex Ovechkin power hour. This is the VGK update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Hockey Guy. I'm out. Hello, Ryan. How are you today? I'm um, good, buddy. How are you doing? I am great. All right. Right off the bat, here's the question for you. Do the Golden Knights make the playoffs because either the Kings or the Oilers blow it to end the season? I mean, I think that's the only way that they're going to make the playoffs as much as we want to believe that the Golden Knights control their own destiny, and to uh, some extent that's the case. If they lose hockey games, they're certainly not going to the playoffs. But if they continue to win, if they can essentially run the table the rest of the season, uh, it is still going to take either Edmonton or L.A. or Dallas or Nashville kind of falling off a cliff with their games in hand. So um, you're going to need help regardless of what the Golden Knights do. They keep winning. They still need help. So who is most likely to make the playoffs from that group? Kings, Oilers, Knights, based on what we know about what they have left, et cetera, et cetera, which two do you think make it? So the Kings schedule is pretty difficult over the next couple of games, and then it gets pretty easy down the stretch. Um, The Edmonton Oilers, their schedule is not particularly difficult. Uh, And then you've got, two of the best players in the world in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, who are, are going on an absolute tear right now. Um, I think the Edmonton Oilers are going to make the playoffs. I do. I, I think if there's a team that could falter and the team that I thought was most susceptible, it was the LA Kings because they've been dealing with a lot of injuries and there's a tight part, a difficult part of their schedule. Um, I think if the Golden Knights make the playoffs, it's likely because the LA Kings falter down the stretch and the Golden Knights win something, uh, I don't know, like nine of their next 11 games to get themselves in. Uh, how likely is it that they win nine of their next 11 games? They've been winning recently, but primarily against bad teams. Yeah, I mean, I, I think asking any team to go nine out of 11 uh, when they've already won five in a row is a tall task. Uh, is it likely? Sure, why not? Like, if the Golden Knights maybe get a little bit healthier, if you get a couple of players back into the lineup, we saw what adding Brady McNabb and Alec Martinez has done to this team's ability to defend in front of their own net. Um, you get a patch ready back or you, I don't know, get a stone back. I'm not sure. Uh, but if the Golden Knights get a little bit healthier, I think the way this team is defending right now, it gives them an opportunity to win some games for sure. Uh, that feels like the weirdest thing about watching season five of the Golden Knights here, Ryan. It's like the writers had to go with a huge plot twist and we're getting the defense first Golden Knights. But yet that's what they have available to them in terms of who they've gotten back from injury. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest, like that's how they're going to have to win games, right? Like, and we were talking about it at the beginning of the year when they were dealing with just as many injuries up front as they are right now and the need to play a more buttoned-up defensive style and leaning into what your goaltender does well, Robin Leonard reading plays and having things be predictable. And for the longest time, the Golden Knights earlier on in the year were chasing offense and they were cheating defense. And what we're seeing now is a team that's not willing to do that, uh, maybe to their detriment, their last game against the Vancouver Canucks. 
but you still you're still able to pull it out. This team needs to win three to two or two to one. That's how they're going to win hockey games right now during this stretch, and they seem committed to do so because they've got the horses on the blue line to do it. How many games does Logan Thompson start the rest of this season? Eleven more games. I would honestly say somewhere in the in the three to five range, probably right there around four games. I, I don't think that you want to play Rod and Leonard eleven out of the next eleven. I, I think when you've had the injury bug the way that Robin has had this year, you want to try to keep the workload manageable while still tuning his game up to where it needs to be. So I would say three to four, four to five, that's probably a good spot right there for Logan Thompson, barring anything unforeseen happening. So I'm going to ask you to look into a crystal ball that has a fair amount of haze in it right now, but let's say the Golden Knights do make the playoffs. The haze in that ball is that we have no idea who's healthy enough to come back when the salary cap goes away. Uh, what do you think of the Golden Knights' chances from what we know about them right now if they do get in? So, I mean, I, I like their chances because I, I tend to believe that they're going to get into either the two or the three spot in the Pacific Division. So that means you're likely going to have a first-round matchup with either Edmonton or L.A., depending on which team falls off. Um, I, I think Edmonton is, is possible. So even a depleted Golden Knights team, I think, can beat the Edmonton Oilers because when things get difficult, Edmonton doesn't like to do the simpler <laughs> hockey things that they need to do to win hockey games. It's the same thing as Colorado. They, they want to carry the puck in. They want to have their highlight reels. They want to play their skilled game. And when that goes away in the playoffs, they just don't handle it particularly well. Um, and by the, by the same token, like if the Golden Knights – do manage to get in as a wild card and they get in as the second wild card, it's not wasted eight days against the Colorado Avalanche. All the pressure would be on Colorado in that series, regardless of if the Golden Knights are at full strength or not. And we all know that Pete DeBoer has a very, very replicable blueprint to beating the Colorado Avalanche, and it leans heavily on Colorado's inability to play playoff hockey. So I think that the Golden Knights, if they get there, can go on a long run. With this team, it kind of feels like we're in a position where they're either going to miss the playoffs or they're going to make the Stanley Cup final because that's, that's kind of <laughs> how it is right now with the Golden Knights. Like, they might be, if they miss, they might be the best team to miss the playoffs, and if they get in, they might just go on a run because it's really been a, a season where everything that could go wrong has, and yet they're still right there. I think you... Uh gave me the hardest the, the the outcome of this season that would be the hardest to evaluate and that is if they make the playoffs beat Colorado in the first round and then lose in the second round I I don't know exactly if we would call this season a success a failure or what we would do with that so I, I think putting it in the context and understanding the injuries that they've dealt with I would say making the playoffs and beating what many consider to be the best team in the league right now, Colorado in the first round, would be a win, but you've already done it before, right? Like, you've already beaten Colorado in the playoffs. You've already gotten that distinction of beating this team, and, you know, the last time you did it, you followed it up with a really, really poor showing against the Montreal Canadiens team. So I, I, I feel like, given the context of the season, it would be a, a positive, a net positive, dealing with all that adversity, but it would also feel like a wasted opportunity because you got rid of Colorado. Everything beyond that should be easier, 
And if you fall there, then, you know, you're not feeling particularly good about it. Should the NHL introduce own goals? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, they should. Like, we, we had a pretty big debate about that yesterday on the Insider Show, and, and I just, like, if, if you can't just randomize it or standardize it, then just make it an own goal. Don't give anybody credit. Like, Bo Horvat doesn't deserve that goal. And, like, imagine, right, if Bo Horvat hits a, a bonus because he gets awarded a goal that he never touched. Like, if, if I'm the team that has to pay that out, I'm pissed. Oh, I would be, too, and cause, all because of Alec Martinez decided at the last minute to throw his stick in there and, and poke it away. All right, um, Brian, thank you for joining us. Are you How's, how's the farm? How are the goats doing? Uh, goats are good. Uh, chickens are good. Dogs are um, frustrating, but good. Uh, so no, all the animals on, on the farm, including the kids, they're all good. Uh, wait, is that is that it? Goats and chickens and dogs. What else do you have? Uh, goats, chickens, dogs. We do have quail. Um, there's some right. bunnies that live in our front yard because grass and and they like shade and stuff. But <laughs> you know, other than that, nothing nothing crazy. All right, Fun. you're becoming my one animal at a time. He's Ryan Wallace. Thanks, Ryan. All right, thanks, guys. So there is Ryan Wallace. Uh, my mother recently sent our family group chat a video of one of her goats giving birth. From what angle? The front. Is this no. unusual? I mean, because from that... what I know of your family situation, like this does not sound like an uncommon occurrence. Um. No, for my mother, it is uh, very common. Yes. Uh, I will. Let's see. When I was in high school, my mother decided to start breeding dogs and she bred Labradoodles and Golden Doodles. The first litter of puppies that she had, uh, actually, I came home from school and I was the only one home when our dog was in labor. And I was unaware of what a placenta was. And I watched our dog give birth to a puppy and then immediately eat the placenta that was still attached to the puppy. I thought that the story about Matt Hasselbeck having to take snaps from a center with diarrhea was going to be the most disturbing thing that I heard today. And yet with 16 minutes remaining in this show, you just topped it. We have so, to stop. We have to give stuff away and no one's going to be lit. Oh, they <laughs> the are entire tuned in. Valley just turned off their radio. They are tuned in. So to answer your question, is this a common occurrence? Uh, yes, it is a common occurrence for my mother and her miniature farm it's i don't know if i can call it miniature anymore in mississippi uh now if you want to win something guess what now's the time uh we are giving away a 50 dollars gift card to go to vegas sports and hockey they are now open in centennial uh on centennial and you'll be qualified to win the grand prize which is a two-night stay accommodation on april 28th and 29th at treasure island hotel and casino and you'll get dinner at Gillies during the Las Vegas draft. So this is a two-night stay in Vegas during the NFL draft at Treasure Island plus dinner. That's what you're qualified to win. You will win right now $50 gift card to Vegas Sports and Hockey. Phone number is 702-364-1100. That's 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number eight at 702-364-1100. Tickets. What was the biggest difference in your mind? Pace of play. 
I don't know what the hell they were doing in the first half. <laughs> like, those were like night and day. That team right there in the second half was the team I saw this tournament. Walking the ball up and down the court trying to force them to come at the first half. I'm like, what the hell are y'all doing? You know, You're locked in the press box. By the way, I believe it was Ken Palm that tweeted last night that Kansas had 37 possessions in the first half and 36 possessions in the second half. So pace of play did not actually change. Congratulations to Matt. He won tickets to go see Megadeth. David just won 50 bucks to Vegas Sports and Hockey and is entered to win the grand prize. That is a two-night stay at Treasure Island plus dinner uh, during the NFL draft when that is in Vegas. And again, congratulations to Pete, who won the uh, March Mania Bracket Challenge at LVSportsNetwork.com. We will have more Megadeth tickets to give away tomorrow. Um, Very important question for you, Adam. Will the UNLV Running Rebels play a game next season on a basketball court design inspired by a microchip? Oh, God, I really, really hope so. I actually texted a group of uh, friends who are related to the Mountain West and told them all we need to flood this Twitter poll. So San Jose State put out a poll both on its website and on Twitter with four different designs for their court. By the way, RIP to the cartoon gladiators uh, who are leaving the event center. Not that anybody's ever gone to a game there and would recognize them. But they have four different designs. One of them is kind of cool in that it has a parquet court. The other is inspired by a microchip. It is a court that looks like it would be mostly gray, but then it would have a bright blue microchip with like microchip um, electricity lines running from it. It is the greatest thing I have ever seen. I implore all of you, all of our listeners, go to San Jose State's website right now and vote Team Chip. (laughs) It is a... uh... Shout out to Silicon Valley for San Jose State and this micro trip, uh, microchip. It looks like the picture they have looks like it's going to be bright neon lights almost in the floor. Obviously, it won't actually be lights. I want this to happen to see how ridiculous it looks. There has to be something interesting about San Jose State basketball, whether it's <laughs> the there? team, whether it's the arena. It, there's got to be. I mean, look, have you been to a game at the event center? Thankfully, no. Okay, I have broadcast many games from the event center. It's depressing when you walk in, right? Like there's there's it's a building that just doesn't feel like anything. Like there's no energy, no nothing in that building. This court would at least give you something interesting when you walk in like, "Huh? How about that?" So I think that would be great. Uh, so microchip court could be coming to San Jose State and the Mountain West next year. Uh, I want to end the show Uh, asking about a certain group of people in Las Vegas. Chris Chapman, uh, who works here at Lotus, is one of these people. How many people in Las Vegas every year, beginning of April, first Monday in April, uh, treat a national championship game with a final score margin under 30 the same way the Miami Dolphins uh, treat the last undefeated team losing in the NFL every year? Oh, I see where you're going with this. The popping of the champagne bottle. Is is there popped champagne every year when the national championship game is not decided by 30 points, therefore securing UNLV's place as the largest margin of victory in the national title game? Well, do you think that receives more attention, or do you think the three-pointer streak 
receives more attention. Well, the three-pointer streak gets, you know, 30 games a year for it to get that attention, right? And, you know, once or twice there's a game that goes into the second half without them having made a three, so it gets a little little bit of a bump there. This is just once a year. Now, that once a year is a big deal, but I, I'll go three-pointer streak just because we get more instances of it okay. being extended. All right. So, in terms of hyped events in Las Vegas, what do you think is a bigger deal? Do you think it's that or the concert you're going to? Oh, the concert I'm going to. Remind everybody what concert you're going to. I'm going to see BTS at Allegiant Stadium on Saturday. And then I'm also going uh, a week from Friday as well. Which, by the way, good news. uh, Both members that had tested positive for COVID don't have COVID anymore. So we will see them all twice. Is it uh, uh, Young Cook? Jung Cook, look at you. I was listening. I was listening yesterday. I was all in on that. Uh, by I the mean, way, Young that, Cook gonna... is also like, that's a pretty good name to remember. Not right, Young. Right. Not Young, Jerry. Young. There's a J. No, that's J. Well, I also, I, dude, I wasn't going to pronounce you, that right either way. All right. So, well. J- Jared, I have a question for you, and it might require you diving back into the audio. Did we spend all of yesterday calling them BTK? No. No, no. Okay, I'm just making sure. I thought BTS. I, I know it's that? BTS. No, no, no. I'm just checking because I saw something last night about BTS and I had this flash in my mind of like, damn it, did we call them BTK all day yesterday? I'm pretty sure Tyler has no idea who BTK is. That's a, that's a serial killer. Um, and to add to Adam's point yesterday, I know too much about serial killers because of my girlfriend. Well, I think that's just dating in yep. like 2022. Yep, but uh, my girlfriend is absolutely the one that listens to murder podcasts and listens to horrific details and is completely unfazed by it. Does she use headphones? Uh, no, worse. She uses a portable speaker that she plays yeah. and just leaves around the house. That's kind of what I was worried about. Like, oh my God, Tyler doesn't have a choice but to listen to horrible details of serial killers. She, she anytime, like... Whatever, she's like, anytime she's like in the bathroom getting ready, brushing her teeth, showering, whatever it is, she always has this on. Always. Like, she can't do anything in the bathroom without having this on. And a lot of the times it is. Sometimes I'll get lucky and she'll be listening to an audiobook that's just some random fantasy crap. But oftentimes it's, yes, horrific details of somebody getting murdered while you brush your teeth. Now, what I guess I find the most interesting about that is that... Now we hear some details about what you have to suffer through. I don't feel so badly about the fastest three minutes in Tyler's house anymore.